Alrighty then, welcome to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song and the other music we use in these episodes. I'm Ken Harlan, your faithful host, live in Boomtalk Studios on a very overcast day after what's been wonderful spring-like weather here in... Eugene, we're over here in South Eugene. Um, FTINFX at gmail.com if you want to like help out, be on the show. I also want to thank our sponsors out there. You know who you are for the contributions. We really appreciate that. If I sometimes forget to mention that in the early uh, monologue, sorry about that. Definitely appreciate your support and help. Alrighty, folks. A lot going on as always. Whoa. Got something going on in the background there. Woo. You're sitting over here watching a little of Europa League, got Arsenal, and Villarreal 0-0. Villarreal holds a 2-1 aggregate lead. Got a lot to talk about as far as the beautiful game goes. A lot going on here. We're a day late because we got a little bit waylaid. We were out and about yesterday, and you're getting the chance to sit down here in the studio and make things happen. Apologize for that. We like to be consistent and get it out on Wednesdays, but nonetheless, a lot going on, so I'm kind of glad that I took the extra day to get it all in. And as I always say, bear with me, because there's so much going on and so much changing. We may be all over the place, but nonetheless, it's going to be a fun ride. So, let's get The COVID Chronicles. Well, well, well. Another week, COVID. Another week where it looks like we're going to normalcy. But that COVID character, well, as I said, Peloton's really in some hot water right now. So with, with all the recalls and stuff. So we'll just say they're in the weight room. Definitely taking the cream and the clear. Definitely in the nightclubs and stadiums and anywhere else where people are being silly and still creating havoc. And this is no different in the sports world. Always wonder, you know, when I see when I get to like Monday or Tuesday and I'm putting together the outline that dictates what's gonna be in these podcasts, it's like, well, you know, maybe I'll I'll combine the COVID Chronicles and the forty three thousand foot view this week. Right? But no no fells here. COVID did its thing once again, and there's plenty to talk about. So we'll start out with my state, Oregon, or our state for all folks who live in Oregon that check it. Kate the Great. Yeah, that Kate the Great. Well, it's been a weird week for her because she's been under a lot of hot water. So we talked about the NWSL, you know, the Challenge Cup is getting ready to have its final. And as I told you last week, we got put in a more restrictive tier. Well, and so... Basically, that would mean that the Challenge Cup, there would be no fans. Dame Dollar of the Trailblazers made the comment that if we keep this up, we're going to be the only team that doesn't have fans. Kate's been pretty um, consistent in terms of trying to protect the Oregonians for their safety. And I think that the lockdowns have been more stringent and perhaps punitive here. But, you know, that's for somebody else to argue. Point being is... The Thorns put in a request to get an exemption to have fans at the, at the Challenge Cup final this weekend, and she slammed the door. 
However, yesterday she reversed things and said that we can go back into a less restrictive tier starting tomorrow. Now, I understand there was some serious uh, backdoor yelling and screaming, and I don't think the Thorns and the Blazers are the only reasons why we're taking a less restrictive tier, even though the cases have been going up here in Oregon slightly. You know, it just makes sense with everywhere else that I think you're going to have to give and take. So, pretty sure we're going to see fans at the Challenge Cup, but I think we might even see some fans at Blazer games here pretty soon. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Now we can talk to what's going on with COVID affecting things on the court. See that? And that's that guy who should be a fashion model or looking like he wants to be on the, cat rock, the catwalk. Mr. Claxon, he returned after missing seven games due to being in the league's quarantine health safety protocol. Good for him because Nets are, the Nets are really about to let's see, put up or shut up time. They're going to need all their bodies, you know, but we'll talk a little bit about that in the NBA beat. I can also tell you, and it was just a very controversial COVID situation with the Lakers. And the Lakers have been pretty good, except for guys like Caruso and now Dennis Schroeder, who apparently did not want to get the vaccine and has somehow come down with COVID and is obviously in the league's quarantine health safety protocol. He had been in the health safety protocol before that, which has got a lot of Laker fans really angry about how, you know, the Lakers are getting ready to try to defend their championship, and you've got this guy... Apparently, I can't confirm that he's refused getting the vaccine. But the point being, he's out of the lineup now from any from anywhere from 10 to 21 days at a very important time, especially given the issues that LeBron's been having. And we'll get to that in the NBA beat. But yeah, this has kind of created some, I don't know, some interesting stuff as far as Laker fans are concerned. And you know some of the pundits as well. Don't want to get into the whole anti-vax-vax debate, but you do have a responsibility to your teammates. And you are trying to get paid this upcoming season, which you turned down the uh, the Lakers' option. So, not getting vaccinated for the stretch run, probably not a good idea. Come on, Dennis, be better than that. You have Miles Bridges. Charlotte, also entering the league's Quarantine health safety protocol. He's going to be out 10 to 14 days as they try to be, to get into one of the last slots in the Eastern Conference. So you're having these situations that are affecting teams. And to that point, I thought it was really interesting what Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean said this past week. And he basically just broke it down. So he would cut a non-vaccinated player if it meant helping the team return to a sense of normalcy. Quicker. Think about that, folks. And I was out last night having a few adult beverages, and the person that I know was talking about not being vaccinated, and I brought up the whole thing about a vaccine passport that's going to be more commonplace. We'll talk a little bit about that more in the next segment. But I get teams basically drawing the line saying, you know, you don't want to be vaccinated and put others at risk. We might cut your ass. I don't know what kind of legal challenges that would uh, have to go through if, if somebody wanted to be aggressive about it. But you know what? I say, call, you, common, common sense here. 
this is a team concept unless it is a serious threat to your health or you have some really hardcore anxieties about it. Stop being stubborn, people. And, I, you know, you're going to see more people like Brandon Beans come out and say, you know what, I will just, I will send you packing. So let's move on to a little bit more positive side here. Not everything has to be about the guy taking the cream and clear or girl or what, or it. What do you think about the draft drawing 160,000 people in the sarcophagus, as I call it, in Cleveland? Talk a little bit about that in the NFLB. As you know, I'm not the big draft kind of guy, but I thought it was interesting that they had vaccinated, non-vaccinated sections. Obviously, the folks closest closest to the stage were people who had proof of vaccinations. And then everywhere else, there was, there was masks mandated. Although I saw quite a few people in moments of exuberance not wearing masks. I'd be really curious to see what kind of data that we get from that as far as it being a super spreader event, but it looks like, you know, the NFL was on top of things. And, yeah, that, 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 it was an interesting spectacle to kind of see, the, you know, get, to get a glimpse of a big size event like that. Right? Like I said, we're talking, you know, 160,000 people. As far as baseball goes, you know, we've talked about Canada and the situation that's causing for teams like the Jays, the MLS teams, the Raps, well, they've been playing, the Blue Jays have been playing their home games at their spring training com complex because, you know, they don't want travel in between the borders. It's just not going to happen as far as, what, how, you know, Canada's anxiety for interacting with people here, given, you know, how widespread it was in this country. So Canada is just being way too cautious, in my opinion. But that said, the Blue Jays are moving closer to the border. They're going to start playing their home games starting June 1st in Buffalo, like they did a year ago. And, you know, I don't know how that, what that's going to do, because if you have restrictions in between the countries, I don't see too many fans coming down from Toronto to Buffalo, only they have to be, you know, under some really harsh quarantines when they return. But we'll keep an eye and let you know how that turns out. Another interesting thing over the weekend, minor league teams drew over 100,000 fans this weekend. So this is giving you a sense around the country of how we are moving towards normalcy and having capacity crowds. Especially, you know, minor leagues are spread out and a lot of the markets that we don't get a chance to talk about. So that's good. I also can tell you that the Little League World Series is going to be an American-only event in 2021. Another thing that really makes sense in a time of uncertainty, given what's happening in other countries in the world, that it's probably safe to just have it be an American uh, an affair. Other countries should do that in their countries as well. Uh, we'll give, the, give the kids a chance to play for some glory, but not put them at risk. Makes sense, yeah? And then you have the NFL. The No Fun League trying to say that it is fun. So what they've got going is they are offering Super Bowl tickets in a contest for fans that have been vaccinated as a PSA to encourage more people to go out and get vaccinated. Nice gesture, um, you know. I, I wouldn't mind going to. I wouldn't mind going to the bowl. So I think it's like fifty tickets or so. But yeah, y'all, if you're interested in stuff like that and you have got your jabs, check it out. Alrighty, folks, that went you know up and down, but we've got it all in there. We will be back with our adult beverages 
and our cool stuff as we take a 43,000-foot view above campus. See you on the other side. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trek in the Foxhole. Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. I see that Manchester United has put up a goal on Roma. Aggregates now 7-2 and two in favor of the Red Devils. They have booked a spot in the UEL final, I think it's safe to say. Meanwhile, Arsenal is definitely on the ropes. The Spurs having an all-England final there as the UCL, which we'll get into shortly. Anyway... So let's go grab our two town ciders, our sunblock, even though it's not sunny today, our expensive sunglasses, our our cool music, our cool party toys and, and, and crew. Let's go and let's walk around. I was on campus this week, rarely. I don't get over to the UMO too often. But instead of a 43,000 foot view, I was actually on the ground on campus this week. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of nice to get that essence. Definitely going to do a segment here from some of the facilities just, you know, to get a good laugh here. So keep an eye on that. I'll be posting those things on social media in the coming weeks. I know I always say these things and it's so slow to happen. But I, if I say it's going to happen, it will happen. Okay, so 43,000 feet above campus, what's going on? Well, I can tell you that KU... And its effort to move past the stinky diaper that is known as the Les Miles experience has hired Buffalo's Lance Leopold. Cam's highly regarded. He's got a big task because, as I mentioned weeks ago, Miles was 3-19. Yeah, he had a great track before him, but whatever magic. And that goes for a lot of people that take the KU job. You know, right? It's just Lawrence is basketball, football, not so much. Okay, and one that really hits close to home for me, and it's rare that I actually get to talk about my alma mater because, you know, they're not exactly world beaters in the world of college sports. But yes, my Cal State Northridge Matadors, where I, you know, I proudly wear the red and black, made major news since we last talked. And that would be our man, Coach Godfrey, Yes, yes, Matt Mark Godfrey of NC State fame and the scandal that we talked about that cost my man down in Arizona his job and many other folks. He's all part of that scandal, getting hookups, funneling Dennis Smith money. Anyways, he, Mr. Godfrey, and his staff, which includes legendary Jim Herrick, they've all been placed on administrative leave after new allegations surface. Okay, as a Matador alum and diehard fan, one of the more hardcore Matador fans you'll ever come across, it befuddles me that going back to Bobby Braswell's administration, Reggie Diaz after that, how a program can get in trouble and still suck and be mediocre. I mean, you know, if you're cheating and you're getting in trouble with the NCAA, I expect lots of wins. Right, uh, division, conference titles vacated. But in the case of Northridge, 
we've gotten in trouble with the NCAA in years when we've been garbage. In fact, other than that run last year before everybody vacated before COVID, that's been the only good team they've had in, gee, maybe a decade and a half. And I know that as people like the Pat Forties of the world got on their soapbox, I, I chastised them at the time, but they were right. CSUN took a big risk hiring someone like Gottfried. And as I've said here on this podcast before, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm not sure if it has, but as myself and alum and others, it's just time for CSUN to move past this, this, this black cloud that's following him. And they have to cut ties with Gottfried, who is a big name, but it really hasn't translated to success yet. But I can see that. It's not worth the headache. Go find somebody like the guy when I went, when I, when I went to school there, Andre Chevalier, who's kicking butt at a local school in the Valley. And just run a clean program and face it, you're never going to attain the heights. Because, I mean, my, when they bring in these coaches, it's still what do we call a crap fest. Anyways, I had to get off with a little bit of a, you know, tirade about my alma mater because I don't get a chance to talk about them too often. But, yeah, it's an ugly situation. Coach Godfrey and his staff on administrative leave for further notice until this thing gets resolved. Now, another thing we've been talking about, and this is really coming, you know, to a head. You talked about this whole, the, 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 the likeness and imaging bill that Florida passed. You know, it's a way of compensating student athletes. You know this is coming. Florida put it on hold, hoping there could be a resolution, but now they're moving forward with that. And that's like, they're one of five states that wants to compensate college athletes for, you know, their likeness, imaging, all that sort of thing, the NIL, as they call it. And, and this bill that they passed is going to allow students to start making money on their likeness as early as July. What does that mean? NCAA, the clock is ticking. I mean, to that point, you got a school like Duquesne, not that they're world leaders or anything, but they've hired a personal brand coach to help athletes you know, find ways to monetize themselves as they see the tide is changing. Did I say NCAA, the clock is ticking? It is. Now, I'm not going to say report you to death and make this segment longer than it needs to be, but, you know, there is going to be a moment when, you know, the, the, big, the, the big dogs, let's just say, T-Law. You're T-Law and you're just like going... Or I should make the better example, as always. There's somebody else at, at Clemson, like I brought up last week, I believe, or the week before that, you know, the guy that helped beat Notre Dame. And let's just say his parents are sitting there like going, well, how come T-Law can get a big cut like this because everybody, you know, is in love with his long hair, which we'll get to a little bit later. You get the point, you know, right? I just don't know. I talked about this with a good friend of mine at the bar last night. I'm not sure how you're going to get equality and how this can be done fairly but nonetheless florida and four other states are moving forward say it again ncaa the clock is ticking because we do we're about to see a clash of so many things okay let me let, let, let me like pick this thing up here a little bit okay so we saw you know, we have the spring sports championships that are coming up spring sports is coming to an end now that we're in may NCAA announces there'll be no testing or health and safety protocols for fully vaccinated athletes. 
at this year's NCAA softball championships. As a, a trend that you're seeing, that if you can get everybody vaccinated, they're saying there's no need for us to have these HSPs and sort of the restrictions. Want to allow a little bit of freedom, freedom of movement, especially if everybody's vaccinated. And if you're not, then chances are, as they talked about in the previous segment, your butt may not be playing. I see that Oregon State up here on the road in Corvallis. They will be mandating all students must be vaccinated to return to campus this fall, as will the University of Washington. Guessing the University of Oregon here in Eugene will also follow suit. Once again, the vaccine passport. That's how you're going to have full fans at stadiums. We're requiring everybody to be on campus so you can create a safe environment. Not here to argue the legalities of that. I'm just telling you this is what's, what's happening and this is going to be the trend. Okay. So let's talk about on the field, we had the FCS playoffs. Got to watch that a little bit this weekend as ESPN was kindly enough to put some of those games on ESP, ESPN2. What did I see? Well, I saw Sam Houston knock off defending champion North Dakota State. You know that, North Dakota State. It was a weird game, but I one thing I will take I will take away from this as Sam Houston State, like I said, gets the gets the upset. How about North Dakota State's special teams, right? Block a punt for a safety, then have a punt return and a kick return pretty much within three minutes of each other. Man, whoever that social, so special teams coach is, somebody needs to hire that guy. I know I made a comment on my Facebook page about that. It was just like one very impressive. You got Delaware State beating Jacksonville State. I'll have something to say about that a little bit later. You know where that's going. James Madison defeated the University of North Dakota, and South Dakota State defeated the Salukis, 31-26. Okay. But they also will point out, and we'll get to later, but so much Bama, you know, in the news with the, with the draft, and I'm sure you all know what a splash Bama made or what a statement it was for that program. One of the cool things that happened this past week was that hearing former Crimson Tide stars Big Shot Rob Horry, Tua, and Bo Scarborough coming back and receiving their college degrees over the weekend. Always cool to see these guys that were able to go out and have careers and not have time to finish their education come back. And it's great PSA for the school. Fantastic stuff. Props to all of those guys for, for earning their degrees. As far as spring sports, as I just said, they're wrapping up. You've got the Razorbacks are still number one in the baseball poll. Sooners are still holding down the top spot in softball. And as far as lacrosse goes, as we give lacrosse a little bit of love here, you've got the undefeated Terps for the men and the Tar Heels for the ladies. They're reigning high above everybody else as far as the top 25 NCAA lacrosse poll. Another interesting thing that's going, that, that I, I thought came out of the news, got caught out of the corner of my eye, what do you think about Shaq's youngest son going to play for HBCU School, Texas Southern? And we talked about Mr. Barker last year and how that's kind of and how that's kind of going. But with Kobe, we don't really know. But it, I guess I'm wondering. I know Shaq's other kids had some health issues. Who started at UCLA? I think he went to LSU. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Could be right. Hey, that's PIL song. <laughs> but I think it's interesting, and I'm not sure. How he compares to the other one as far as the skill level goes. 
But I like the idea that people are still really trying to get athletes in HBCUs. And I will have something to say about that as far as the NFL draft goes a little bit later. But I think it's really cool that Shaq is sending his son to play for Texas Southern. Hope he, if he's got game. You know, definitely want to see, you know, the idea. I like the idea. I just don't know how feasible it's going to be. As we talked about last summer, you know, as far as people making a push to get more high-profile recruits to attend these schools. Like the, other, the old days when that was a great source of talent, when racist or closed-minded folks did not know about them. And, you know, guys like the Al Davises and Chuck Knowles and Sid Gilmans back in the late 50s and early 60s found the HBCUs as an incredible wealth of, of talent and basically changed the landscape of American sports as far as the contributions that people coming from those schools did, you know, elevating baseball, basketball, football. Anyway, all righty. Best of luck to you as you start your journey down the HBCU path. Give, you know, uh, ink for Texas Southern. Okay, that was cool. We will be back with some more cool stuff on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trying to the Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. Next week we hit the half-century mark as far as episodes are concerned. Definitely we'll do something momentous for that occasion, but not really because that's how we roll. Obviously watching Arsenal still on the ropes here, which doesn't bother me. It's too bad that Rumble couldn't do the same to Manchester United. As we move towards what's going to be an interesting Europa League final. But we'll talk more about that coming up in the Beautiful Game Live. In the meanwhile, it's time for something you should probably know. Or just a window into what else is going on in the world of sports. Okay. So, start off with a somber note. Especially for those of us in the old school. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the legendary Unser family. That we know that Bobby Unser passed away at 87, the three-time Indy winner, did it in three different decades, part of a legendary family, Al. Anyway, big loss to the Indy racing open wheel uh, community here in the United States and worldwide for that matter. Our thoughts, condolences, prayers go out to his family and the uh, racing community. You know, a major passing there. Anybody who grew up in the 70s and 80s like I did. Okay. We had Derby Day. Yes, indeed. That first Saturday in May. If you liked the Grateful Dead, you would always get the races on. That covered from Don Williams. And it would always be cool because you'd be like, yes, the race is on and it feels like heartache. Okay, hippie, stop it. Anyway, we have the 143rd Kentucky Derby, 11 to 1, 
the Gina Spirit wins. And I mean, the odds were 11 to 1. That means that Mr. Cool himself, Bob Baffert, wins his seventh derby. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, you know, I saw the pictures and all the memes, you know. Aaron and his bride will be talking about him, you know that. Tom Brady just looking like something straight out of a 60s British sleuth show, right? I, yeah, it was a good weekend once again as we move towards normalcy to see events like that happen. It was all, all was fun. Not sure if Medina Spirit is going to do the whole Triple Crown run, from what I understand. Hopefully so. Definitely will make a great storyline. Okay. What about... Caitlyn Jenner, running for governor. Well, she came out last week and said that she believes transgender girls competing in sports would not, and girls sports obviously, would not be a level playing field. And, you know, I thought, boy, Caitlyn, you're really going to get yourself in the hot water. But then I gave it some thought. Now, I'm a realist. And let's just say that Bruce, now Caitlyn, had decided to do that in his 20s when he was Captain America in the 1976 deca uh, gold medalist in the decathlon. I mean, what kind of competition? It, it's just mind-boggling. It's got a point. Not sure how it's going to play out as far as the, the court challenges go. But from a physiological, physiology, all that good stuff. Yeah, right? Can you imagine? I mean, there are, I mean, I'm not, you know, dissing the ladies, it's not hardcore, but in a, in a case like him, you know, we've got specimens or just like someone like, let's just, let's just use somebody, let's say Andre Drummond decided to have a life change. Would it be fair for him to be able to go out there and beat up on WNBAers? Probably not. FTINFX at gmail.com if you disagree. Have some insight to share with me. Love it. Want to come on the show and even talk about it? That would be great. Okay, what else is going on? Well, does this sound familiar? Major entity wants to create a super league and everybody flips out. This, this time it is the PGA. As the Saudis, with all their money and time by their hands of trying to create cool things, you know, right? Got the World Cup going to Qatar. In 2022, next year, they want to start a super golf league. Now, the PGA is just like, no, 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 no. And they have come out and said, anybody that's a card member, card-carrying member of the PGA will have severe sanctions if they even think about it. Which is kind of interesting because lefty Phil Mickelson, he says he's not against it. I mean, I'm not sure that he was waving pom-poms, and I'm sure that as we move further on, this is what's going to happen. That you're going to have places like Saudi Arabia, other places in the, in the Middle East, China, places, anywhere where there's, where there's lots and lots of bank. Like, well, you know what? We'll, we'll throw a bunch of money at you. We can get like a TV partner. Let's just, do, let's just do our own thing. And you're seeing uh, institutions like the PGA, UEFA, 
fighting back, saying, you know, the NCAA as well, saying, hey, wait a minute, you all can't go do your own thing. What would be the purpose of us? As I've been saying all along, CB19, eating the cream, the cream and clear all this time, has exposed many, has exposed a great deal of rot in the way things have been done, what needs to be changed. All of these things are just sort of like, you know, the skin's being pulled back, and it's like, well, why are we doing this? Why shouldn't we do that? And I do feel that when we get to around 23, 24, or 25, they, uh, we're going to see some very significant changes in the sports landscape. You're already seeing it, and the idea of these breakaway leagues is just a part of it. The, the whole likeness thing that I brought up in the previous thing, and just compensation in general for, for amateur athletes in these colleges. So many things are about to change. Okay. About what's going on over in the UFC, we always like to, thanks to our show contributor, friend, uh, Cooley Walker, always like to like check in on what's going on in the UFC. We had a big fight night. Well, I can just tell you about two bouts. One that featured two featherweights, which was in the main event. Uh, Giga Chikadaze knocked out Cub Swanson. I probably butchered that name as I always do because I never have time to actually go listen to the, the video that accompanies these stories, and I apologize for that. Always trying to get better. But knocked out Cub Swanson a minute and third in the fight. Pretty quick, yeah? Then you had light heavyweights. Jerry Prajaka defeated Dominic Reyes by way of a second-round knockout. Some other fights as well, but those were the two big fights that I was able to get some data on as far as UFC fight night. Okay. Isn't it bad enough that money, and well, you know what I'm talking money, Floyd Merriweather, wow, having some trouble getting that one out. It's bad enough that he's trying to sucker us with this Logan Paul fight. Now we're hearing Ocho Stinko is going to be on the fight card as well. You know what I say, Ocho Stinko. You know I'm talking about Chad Johnson, formerly of Oregon State, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. Just a straight-up interesting character. He's going to be fighting. And I know there are people who are going to buy this thing or get together with their friends and watch it somehow. There's going to be a big buzz on social media. But you know what, folks? I am not wanting to see Chad Johnson fight. That's why I call him Ocho Stinko. Maybe some of people do. I mean, you know, I would rather watch a boring USL 2 soccer match on, on a very bad YouTube feed than have to watch Chad Johnson. That's just how I feel. Okay, let's talk about a little bit of racing. We have my man Kyle Busch returning to the winner's circle in a big way, getting the win in the Cup Series stop at Kansas. And then he also, this is basically on the hills of him winning in the Truck Series on Friday night. So a big week, weekend for Kyle Busch as far as being at the Kansas Speedway is concerned. In F1, Lewis Hamilton and Al were separate again in the Portuguese Grand Prix. What a surprise there. But it's good to see that these two titans battling it out on a weekly basis. No doubt, some more fun this past weekend. And I also can tell you that Scott Dixon wins the IndyCar Series race in Texas over the weekend. So that's what's going on as far as something you should probably know. 
and just a window into the other things that don't get enough love as far as somebody actually giving some commentary and doing a weekly wrap-up of. All right, folks, that was a little awkward closer there, but we are going to jump into the NBA B on the other side. See you then. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 17. Okay, I see Manchester United has just scored. Now the aggregate was 8-4. For a minute there, I was thinking Romo was going to make a run at it. And I was going to say that if somehow Manchester United collapsed being up 8-2, it would have probably broken the internet. But I think it's safe to say, as I said earlier, Manchester United has probably booked themselves into the final of the UEL. So, let's talk a little NBA beat, shall we? Woo! Let me, what am I going to start with this week? A lot to talk about in the association, as always. What do you think about the GoFundMe page for the suspended officer that mocked LeBron? It's raised over $500,000, a half a million dollars, people. Oh, boy, that's a lot to unpack there. You know, in terms of, you know, LeBron's message and how it's being transmitted, how it's being perceived or interpreted. Um, I think it's really interesting to think that this guy is getting... His GoFundMe that was his honors got a half a million. The guy in Ohio, Cincinnati, is doing ridiculous business. But like I said last week, with the money coming from China and other markets, I don't really think LeBron gives a flying. You know what? Just me. Call me crazy. Speaking of that LBJ, he returned to the court briefly last week. Um, and it wasn't good. You know, the Lakers dropped a bad game to the Kings. Looked really bad against Toronto. And so LeBron decided he needed to take some time off. What did I say about those high ankle sprains? It was a very tricky injury, and it's six weeks, sometimes even eight weeks. And given that LeBron is a high-volume possession guy, I knew this was going to be a problem. And I have my doubts he's going to be sound. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. He's pretty much going to miss the Clippers game tonight and the Trailblazers game tomorrow. And the problem with that is, well, the Lakers are on the verge of being in the play-in round. Or it could be a scenario where the Lakers and Clippers meet in the first round, for that matter. Oh, dear. Talk about the internet breaking. Give the Lakers credit that AD and the crew, Maya Schroeder, as we talked about earlier, with his COVID-19 quarantine health and safety protocol that he's in, for whatever reason, I'm going to have to get some more information there. He's got a big win over the Nuggets. Huge. 
I don't know if that stops the bleeding. As you know, the Blazers, they've had their ups and downs, but now the Blazers are with one, five, and six, and they're getting, and obviously you've got the Mavs there. But yeah, it could, we could see the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to somehow, you got a sense of that in the Nuggets game. I think this Clippers game tonight's very huge. I also think the, the Blazer game tomorrow night is huge. Back-to-backs without LeBron. AD, you're going to have to show why you are elite. The, regardless of whether or not I think the Lakers would be in trouble if they had to play in Golden State, they wouldn't be. But you just don't want that. And given LeBron's ankle situation, you want that extra week off. As far as people talking injuries, well, right as I came on to start this podcast, we were at 1.35 Eastern, I mean Pacific time, geez, on a Thursday, instead of a Wednesday, we found out that James Harden talked to the press today, and he says he is pretty confident that he will be ready come playoff time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Power, let's see here. Before I get to that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I'm just chipping ahead too quickly. The Nets have looked good, and sometimes they've looked beatable with Kyrie and KD on the court. We'll get to that in a second. KD's balling. We get that. You know, Kyrie's going to be Kyrie. But they need Harden. And they are not all healthy, and Philadelphia does not stumble Oh, heck, the way the Knicks were playing, I could see the Nets not getting through the Eastern Conference if all their big three are not there. I'm just gonna, I am just I think they're very vulnerable. I've been saying it all along, and I'm sticking to it. Let's go to the power ratings. So, Suns are, Suns are number one, Jazz are two, Sixers three, Nets four, Nuggets five. You know, I know Kawhi missed some games, but come on. Clippers not in the top five, really. Okay, what probably why is that as far as on the hardwood itself, the Suns top the Clippers in a battle of top seeds right at the end of the month. Another interesting thing that happened on the wood last week, Mr. Tatum scoring 60 for the Celtics as they rally from a 32-point deficit. Yes, I mean, and that's a franchise record. Think of all the greats that have donned the green and white for the Celtics and that's the, that's the high level. 32-point deficits. It's like, really? How do you how does somebody give up a 32-point deficit? You had the Pacers beating Oklahoma City by 60. What a stinky diaper that is. We had the Freak scoring 49 and out-dueling KD 42, as I was referring to a second ago, as the Bucks got a big win on Sunday, and then they doubled down and beat the Nets again. So... I, I would say it's a feather in the cap for the Bucks getting some big wins against the Nets late season, but without Harden on the floor, it's just like I have to take it with a grain of salt because that's not, if they are healthy, that's not going to be the Nets team that the Bucks are facing. I still think the Bucks are fool's gold. I do. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, you know, and this is an interesting conversation. I, I know I made a post on the Fox Trotting the Foxhole Facebook page. If you don't like it, like it, please. About Russ, you know, become the only player to have multiple 20 rebound and 20 assist games. But he had like 24 assists and 27 rebounds. And I think uh, it is impressive, but there's something weird about his stats. And I think it's kind of, it's a little of stat padding and an impressive feat because 
You know, when you look at the actual stats, he's pretty inefficient a lot of times. Sure, he's averaged a triple-double, but it's like you throw up a lot of bad shots and you have an idea of where it's going. You know, I'm not trying to take away from what he's done because obviously, you know, one guy has done this previously, Oscar Robinson in the 60s. He's done it four years in a row. But I'm not going to be like, a, like hardcore, but I am sort of leaning towards the folks who are less impressed because it's just something inefficient about his game and, and what these numbers translate to. You know, I do feel it's a bit of, of, of stat padding. You know, or I'm not saying he does it on purpose, but I think his game lends itself to that. And that sort of opens up the door for criticism for folks who just aren't as impressed as maybe they should be. And maybe that has to do with Russ never winning. I don't know. I don't think he should be held, that should be held against him. I'm more about, you know, I, I see these games where he puts these numbers up and his, his teams end up on a losing side, especially in recent times. But nonetheless, you know, give him, I give him props. I mean, you that's not that many assists and grab 20 boards, you know, you're out there meeting business. So I don't want to diminish it. I just am in the camp of people who are as impressed. Uh, what did you think about last night, actually? Uh, the Pacers, Coach Greg Foster, getting into it with Goga Benitze. Had a heated exchange. The Pacers have, have suspended Foster for a game. I guess everything is really blowing up because they filled in the expectations there. Ugly situation in Indiana. That Kawhi has returned after missing five games with a foot injury. Not necessarily I buy any of that. I think it's just another way of Kawhi getting load managing. And that's the way I feel with a lot of these guys. I do believe LeBron because of the high spring, a high ankle sprain, but I do feel that teams are trying to be as creative as possible, giving these guys games off, given the short off season. You know, and that's an interesting thing that I forgot to, to mention about LeBron. And this is my uh, outline. What do you think about LeBron complaining about the play-in game? I, I I feel the same with Mark Cuban. You know, I'm a Lakers fan, but I try not to make this about. Blah, 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 stroking the Lakers off. I try to be pretty biased, as you probably, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that's how I roll. And I'm like this when it comes to LeBron and the playing game and complaining about it. You have a lot of clout with the players. Uh, they know there's times it's backfired when you wanted to walk away from the, the bubble, but you were instrumental in keeping people to stay in the bubble in the first place. Why didn't you push back and use your clout with NBA players and band together to fight about against this? You didn't think it was going to be a problem. You didn't think of all the scenarios that could possibly put the Lakers at peril of being there. So without you putting a stink up when you have the opportunity, when starting in December to try to take advantage of of having a Christmas Day showcase was an ill-advised idea. Even, you know, knowing that the vaccine was coming, it would have been way better to have started the season a little bit later and then maybe get back on track as far as having a normal NBA calendar, you know, right, for the 22-23 season, or 21-22 season, I should say. I mean, there was no reason to rush, and you didn't put up a big stink, so don't cry now. You don't, I mean, you don't get to do that. And you had the opportunity, you know, calling out there and saying it's a stupid idea. I didn't hear you saying anything about it then. You're just worried you're not going to get that week off because you are hurt. Because a high ankle sprain takes a long time to heal for. 
Not good for him. It's not been the best month for LBJ. Well, what do you think about the Nugs and their run without Murray? Yes, they lost to the Lakers, but they were 9-1 and one before that, which bodes well for them in terms of their depth and their confidence as they try to duplicate what they were able to do in last year's playoffs. And lastly, we've got Mello. No, not Ball. We're talking the Mello. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. Now number 10 on the all-time scoring list. And we always revisit this. It's like, I mean, I think it's very impressive. I think he's had a great career. He's been a great Olympian. Postseason, uh, he had that great series with the Lakers. But in general, he hasn't gotten past the first round. And for me, that's always going to be a major knock on him. That's just how I feel. Um, do I think he's earned this place as having a solid career? Yes. Do I consider him to be all-time? No, I don't. But getting to 10th on the all-time scoring list is a pretty good feat when you consider who's up there. So props to him. Give him some love there. All right. That's enough of the, what's going on in the hardwood. We're going to take a short break, and we are going to come back with a little MLB NHL roundup. Welcome back to Fox Treading in a Foxhole. Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. Arsenal is still on the ropes. And I will give Roma this. They are keeping it interesting as it is now 8-5 in aggregate. They're in the 85th minute. Problem is, now that Manchester United has two away goals, yeah, it would have to be 9-8. I don't see the Red Devils dropping their pants that much here in the remaining time plus sloppish time. We'll be talking more beautiful game life in the next segment. So let's get to the Nightfall of Diamonds and a trip around the roller rink ice life. Let's start out with MLB. <laughs> and we're going to give a quick fox treading and a foxhole shout out. How about it? The Say Hey Kid had his 90th birthday yesterday. And if you don't know who the Say Hey Kid is, well, I feel sorry for you. If you love baseball, we're talking about Say Hey Willie Mays. The last of the greats of baseball's golden era. You know, the first generation of great African-American players. Definitely an all-time as far as baseball's glamorous decade. If you've watched Ken Burns Baseball, which is my... My, my two, well, I would say my three favorite episodes are the one about the war in the 40s, the capital of baseball, and then a whole new ball game in, in episode six that looks at the 60s and 70s. And Mays, in, in terms of, I think, of like, you know, the, the big three, right? You had the Duke, you had Mickey, you had, you know, obviously the Say Hey Kid, all playing center field in New York in the, in, in the late 40s and the early 50s. 
you know, truly a great time, definitely defining, I mean, you know, sport defining, all those sort of things. So anyhow, that he's the last of the Mohicans, really, now with the passing of guys like Henry Aaron and the whole generation of folks. It's really cool that Willie is still around. Cherish every moment that the same kid is, is still with us. Props to, you know, what I feel is one of MLB's true goats. I mean, MLB, there is no real goat, you know, I, I guess you could say perhaps Babe Ruth, but you can make the arguments about how level the playing field was, but, you know, the, Ruth was a great pitcher, but let's not get into that argument here. Let's just say, let's just celebrate Willie Mays because he is truly one of MLB's goats, and it's fantastic that he's still with us. Okay. Just came off the wire when I came to show somebody else who may not be on the level of Willie Mays, but is going to be considered to be a, a pretty good player. I don't want to say all-time great, but he's definitely great. The Angels are going to part ways with Albert Pujols, you know, at this point in his career, last year of that big contract he signed, he's hitting below the Mendoza line. Yeah, it's time to probably call it a career. He's been designated for assignment, which usually means bye-bye. Anyways, fantastic career. I'm sure when it gets to the point where it's official, we will definitely give him the kind of send-off he deserves. Fantastic career. As far as on the... Uh, oh, yeah, before I get to what happens on the field... I gotta say, I've heard some great stories in my lifetime that have just made my head explode. And this Oakland A's Jesus Zerto, who broke his hand while playing a video game, who has to go to the injured list. Yeah, I'm just sitting here, I'm still like, wow, how do you even comment on something like this, right? Uh, <clears throat> breaking your hand playing a video game. I would love to know what video game it was. You know, was he online? But anyhow, having to face your teammates, if that's what happened, because, you know, our friend of the show who came on last year, and I was lame and didn't get him back to do an MLB pre preview, uh, Ben C. Right? He's just sitting there, like, has that look on his face, like, yeah, right, you broke your hand playing a video game. Yeah, it's a cover story, I guess. Anyway. And then what do you think about, you know, I've, I've been talking about Tony La Russa ever since he took the job with the White Sox at 77. I was kind of wondering when the senile watch would start, and now it has, as reports are coming out, that he didn't even understand or really know the extra inning rule. So, how many games in the season are we? Uh, yeah. Be keeping an eye on Tony, because, I mean, I've always wondered how he's going to relate to the players, but it's just, you know, one of these guys who the game's passed by. And I understand why the organization brought it back, but this is one more example of, like, going, okay. Hey, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's about the ages of thing. I just think that, hey, you know, are you too deep in the bottle to do the job? Um, you know, another thing I, 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 I'll bring up that I think is interesting. They, how about Fernando Tatis Jr.? You know, I've always I've been kind of harsh on him in terms of wondering about his durability, but now he's kind of showing me what's up. What do you think about his numbers from 152 games? 162, you know, his first 162 games. Now, take it what it is, but I think it's interesting that he is better than the all-time leader in six statistical categories. So, hey, you know what? Keep that up. 
and nobody's going to be saying a darn thing about that $340 million contract you signed. Very impressive. Uh, power rankings that came out earlier in the week. Not sure why the Dodgers were number one, given their struggles. Get the Bo Sox two, Padres three, White Sox four, and the Strohs five. Then you've got another interesting thing that happened as far as on the field goes. What do you think about John Means of Baltimore throwing a no-hitter against the Mariners? This was like two days ago. And he misses a perfect game as a third strike gets past the catcher and the runner advances safely to first. You know, bringing again, you know, the cockamamie baseball rules, as some people say. That's what I have a problem with. For, for it to be a perfect game, no runner can reach base. And ball had a little had a little too much mustard or something like that. Got past the catcher. I got the first. No perfect game. No hitter. I'm cool with that. Um, let me see here. What about the teams that are struggling after a month, right? And this is according to the Plus. They had this big story of where they gave out letter grades. I thought that was interesting. I don't know why the Yankees got such a bad grade, but I think that's silly because they're over 500. But I do see that Colorado, Atlanta, and the Chicago Cubs got Ds. Although I think after the Dodgers, I mean the Cubs' performance over the Dodgers, that that D would go up. And the Twins and Tigers get Fs. So what does that say for these teams that are getting such low grades in May? Is it going to be a long, long summer for people who are suffering and wanting to get outside and see a ball game only to see a crappy product? The Twins and Tigers case, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it. Same with Colorado. I think Atlanta and the Cubs get their act together. Like Speaking of the Dodgers, is it time to hit the panic button? Just got swept by the Cubs. Really struggling after looking after the gate. Dustin May just got hurt. He's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. I don't think it's time to hit the the panic button. I think that they're banged up and they're world champs. They've been, uh, in spite of not having the championships, as I've talked about many times before, they've been, you know, one of the bellwether teams for the NL. And I feel that like that basketball team that plays in the same city, people get up when they play it, and this is going to be a problem for them, and they're going to have to match that intensity. I think they've got some, they got, you know, Mays out, they've got the arms, and I think once people get healthy, they shall be fine. But, hey, the Giants and Padres are really coming, okay? So, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk for them. Another interesting story out of MLB this week. The Strohs visiting the Bronx for the first time since their World Series run and with fans. The fans let them have it. Coming into New York, you know, the Yankees were felt victimized like the Dodgers. I know Dusty Baker has got the woe is me towel. But you know what? You (laughs) all got cheated, got caught red-handed, got the glory. So you for you to say the you know, fans need to lighten up, Dusty, you know you weren't there, but fans don't forget. And you know, I know as a Dodger fan, I got a middle finger. I know the Yankee fans, and they show their displeasure. I thought it was cool, and you know, rain as much hate on the Astros as you can. Don't lose any sleep as far as that goes. Big props to Drew Robinson 
making the Giants AAA team after losing an eye when he had, had a suicide attempt. It's good to see this kid get back on the field. And number one eye, being able to play at AAA, as we know, is the level before the major. So kids making a heck of an effort. Hope to see him make the big club. I think it's a very inspiring story. It's cool stuff. Okay, let's go to the let's go to the roller ring ice of life. NHL power rankings for the week. Eh, you know, not too much change other than we've got Vegas Golden Knights at one, Carolina two, the Avs three, Tampa Bay Lightning, and at number five, the Pittsburgh Penguins sneaking in there, getting ready to make a, another heroic playoff run. Keeping an eye on that. We know that the Rangers, the Rangers want league head of safety George Peros removed for his light discipline of Capitals bad boy Tom Wilson. We know that the league fined the Rangers $250,000 for speaking out about the soft punishment because Wilson had that really horrific hit. We know he's had a history of bad behavior, felt that the league went too lightly. Teams had a pregame brawl when the Caps and Rangers played last night, a little bit silly stuff. Speaking of the Rangers, they fired their general manager, Jeff Gordon, and team president, John Davison, in a very surprise move. This kind of comes as the team, in many people's minds, were ahead of schedule as far as the current rebuild that's been in progress. So, big shakeup with the Rangers. Okay, folks, we managed to bang a lot out of that series as well. And, oh, dear. We're going to talk about the beautiful game of life, but I can tell you there are some really dejected faces over there on the Arsenal side, as Villarreal is on its way to the UEL final. Unai Emery making it to another UEL final. And Arsenal fans, Twitter is about to blow up in 3-2-1. But we have a lot of beautiful game life to talk about on their side. Going to go get myself a little bit of a beverage. Not an adult one, because it's far too early for that. Maybe a little bit of monster. And we're going to bang out the rest of the show. See you on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Some exuberance over at the Emirates. And scenes of dejection as Arsenal walks away. Crazy stuff. Sure, as I said before going to the break, can't wait to get a look at... Twitter and see how cranky the Arsenal fans are. You know, the, you know it was going to be an all UEL, all UCL final, and the Brits, who were already too full of hubris, get knocked down a peg. Manchester United takes care of business, wins 8 5 on ag aggregate. All right. It's been a crazy week as far as the beautiful game life. We start out with the wax Sunday at Old Traffic, at Old Trafford, excuse me, where Fans breached the gate and pretty much, I mean, breached the gate, stormed the pitch, created all kinds of mayhem in and outside of the stadium, prompting the match with the Spurs to be canceled. Of course, all the people got, all the pundits who are, I've already talked about ad nauseum, getting on their high horses. I thought it was utter rubbish. Don't, I don't ever want to hear about us yanks being uncivilized. 
in, in terms of disrupting, creating, you know, I mean, that, that whole hooliganism label, absolutely fair. There was no need for it. I, mean, I, I understand being angry about the Super League, but that isn't the way to go about it. You could have handled it yourselves in a lot better. Don't go around thinking, yeah, you made a statement because the changes that are going to happen are going to happen regardless of these displays. And if not, it's only going to embolden people like the Glazers because this place basically was a protest about removing the Glazers. This idea, again, I've gone through this myself with the Washington football team, that the fans could band together and somehow get rid of ownership or force the leagues to do it is absolutely nonsense. I mean, I'm talking about the government needs to intervene to deal with this with owners of absentee owners. Doesn't government have more interesting things to deal with, more important things? You know, we're in a pandemic, jobs, help. I, yeah, just the idea. It just makes me want to go and slap people. It just really does. And you understand the passion. Oh, I understand the passion. I also understand stupidity. Okay. Anyways, I'm not going to get too deep about that. It was, like I said, a very emotional scene. Going to be interesting to see when this match is replayed and what's gonna, what the story is going to be, if they're going to let anybody near the grounds. Yeah, but with United getting a big win and going to be in the final, maybe that will soothe these fans as far as them being able to put a trophy in the cabinet. To, 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 I, I mean, obviously, they've hated the Glazers from day one. That's not going to change. But I think this whole idea that being that you're going to bully the Glazers, Kroenke, those, you know, Abramovich out, out of soccer, QSI, you know, the folks at own city, not going to happen. So, sources say UEFA is planning to impose a two-year ban for Champions League for any teams that join the Breakaway Super League. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, we wouldn't be able to have a final if, if, if that was right, based on right now. I don't see it happening. I have a feeling that if UEFA continues to pursue this, they are going to get their clocks clean if the courts are being fair, and then you are going to open up this can of worms that's going to destroy it. Come up with an equitable solution where, yeah, you these teams are giving a stiff shaming, but let's not get so punitive that it ultimately brings your wafer down. And perhaps FIFA even, if things get too arrogant. Woo! Crazy stuff. What do you think about Jose getting another job? I, I asked that last week, you know, the chosen one, the favorite one. He is going to Serie A, and he is going to coach Roma, who just lost to man, the aforementioned Manchester United and the UEFA Simulator Final. Ah, guy always lands on his feet. Though when players under the bus, we can be more and more out of touch. Yes, he's had success. And I get if you're Syria and you're someone like Roma and you're trying to be relevant, it would be wise, perhaps. I don't think it's a, it's a horrible thing, but as always, we'll be keeping an eye on how the Jose experiment works in Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've got some interesting stuff in Syria, as we've talked about, you know, the situation with Bayern Munich, now that we know that Leipzig coach Nagel's men is going to Munich, and what's really cool is former United States men's uh, United States national men's team player and assistant Jesse March, who was also at TFC Toronto FC, is going to take over at Leipzig. 
as he's coming over from Red Bull Salzburg, where he's had some successes winning the title over there. Props to Jesse. Props to Americans making all kinds of splashes over in Europe. It, it, it brings a warm smile to my face. Okay, let's get to the nitty-gritty. UCL. Okay. City, the citizens, congratulations. You chased PSG from the USL, UCL, Champions League, very decisively. Got nothing but props for City. They were the better squad over the two ties. Some big questions for PSG. We know that Mbappe got nicked up and got and re-aggravated that in the first leg. Couldn't play. I don't think it would have made a difference. Just City was better. And I don't think and I know that everybody pissed all over PSG and all that kind of stuff. But Manchester City is going to win the Premier League. And sorry, people, the Premier League is the best league in Europe, if not one of the best leagues in the world. It's not a shame to lose to a team coached by Pep, really. But, you know, oh, PJ, PSG spends all this money and it comes up short. And it's just people like ESPN, FC, the clowns on CBS, Bleacher Report. Yeah, I know I'm a PSG fan, but even if I wasn't, I would still be appalled. I thought... You know, watching the first 10 or 15 minutes of that match, the bias of the English commentators, I mean, I came out and said it. I believe no English, former English player should be a pundit or a commentator in any UCL or UEL match involving English teams. They can't help themselves. And I don't care if this is English. They find some Americans who know about soccer, even if they piss people off. I just think it's disrespectful to the fans in other countries that the overwhelming lack of, of objectivity, just pure homerism. Okay, don't look, I'll be here talking 10 or 15 minutes if I get too deep with that. Props to City. And hey, on the other side of it, if you're a PSG fan, your nightmare, your nightmare got doubled down as our man, Thomas Tuchel, leads Chelsea past Los Blancos, setting up, as I said, an all-EPL final. Good job, Thomas Tuchel. You took PSG to the final last year, and I thought that was kind of a fluke, but doing it with Chelsea, hey, you're, you're giving me the middle finger, and I'm saying, you're, you're, you're right, I'm wrong. I still think PSG was right to get rid of you. I thought it was a win for both squads, as PSG can't complain about getting to the semi, especially not 100%. And two goals done a fantastic job. Getting Chelsea, which was dead in the water under Lampard, now looking really good and possibly on the verge of winning Champions League. So, you know, props to them. It's going to be an interesting final. Not looking forward to it because I'm heartbroken because I felt this was PSG's year. I'm really excited that we're going to have some Yanks, as we know, Captain America for Chelsea. And we also have Zach Steffen for Manchester City. Once again, this generation of American soccer players setting the bar up way higher. We're going to go way beyond what the Clint Dempsey's and all those kinds of people are going to do. Not to diminish their contributions, but I just feel this current crop, and I'm, you know, really bullish on them. So that's cool stuff there. Whew, okay, we got to start banging with this because this, this segment's going to be long. We got also CONCACAF Champions League going on as well. What can I tell you about that? Well, I can tell you that Monterey dispatched the crew. It was 1-1 after the first tie. Last night, Monterey, just a better squad. They missed Champions League last year. Came back with a vengeance. Just took care of the crew. The Timbers, that was 1-1 as well with their, with their tie with Club America. 
Then last night, I, even though I was out and about, I still got the news that Timbers got caught a calf. Questionable penalties, but I think um, impartial observers said that Club America was the better squad and deserved to move on. But once again, it wouldn't be Connor Calf without Connor Calf shenanigans, or as they say, you got Connor Calf. And apparently, the Timbers did last night. Tough, tough, tough. You also had, uh, you know, Philadelphia Union get through, right? But they played Atlanta, and that is, so basically, two MLS teams playing against one another is the only reason that an MLS team is advancing, because the other three teams, that moment, as we always have, you know, you get past the group stage, get the round sixteen, it's like, yeah. We get to the ditty gritty, and then you start to see the class of Liga MX. Just say, no, MLS, it isn't your time. I would like to give more stock in what LAFC did last year, but it's hard, just like with PSG's run to the final, it's hard for me to take stock, high stock in Champions Leagues, especially during during uh, COVID. Unlike baseball and the NBA and the NFL, which I don't, I don't see, I, I I think those competitions were actually tougher than most regular seasons. Where I think in soccer, soccer without the two-way ties, without fans, yeah, some weird things happen in both uh, UCL and uh, SCCL. Anyways, hopefully the union can uphold the flag for the MLS. And this is what I told you about the EWL, who's gonna it's gonna be Villarreal, Uni MRI. Who's had a lot of success before? That's you know that's at, at Sevilla. That's the reason why you got the PSG job. And Manchester United to be an interesting final. I uh, got my money on United, but you never know. Villarreal was pretty impressive in taking Arsenal down, and obviously, not rolling over today at the Emirates should be an interesting final. Let's go to the leagues. You got Barca losing at home to Grenada. And they're not able to comp capitalize to take control of the table, as they could have. Atletico, Madrid, these Elche, so they still are hanging on by a thread. And with uh, the Los Blancos winning at home over Asuna, things are still tight. Same thing with League One. PSG edge, edge past Lens 2-1, but however, Lille remain atop the table the convincing 2-0 win at Nice, and then pretty much Monaco gets their chances to take a major hit as Lyon is able to get three unanswered goals and come back from a 2-0 deficit. So now it appears that League One will be a two-horse race between PSG Lens. You've got over in Serie A, Juventus' run of titles ends at nine, as we've been talking about over the weeks, as, as Inter seals it with a 2-0 win over the weekend, a new champion will begin be crowned. It's now a matter of who's going to be in UCL and who's going to be in UAL as far as Serie A goes. Same thing with the Bundesliga as Bayern Munich's limping home, but Mr. Halan and company are keeping things interesting. I mean, Leipzig's there as well, but I have a feeling that Mr. Halan's not going to be in Dortmund, but nonetheless, he's doing everything in his power to make sure that the BVB is playing in Europe somewhere, whether it's in UEL or UCL. Okay, let's talk about the MLS. Yeah. A lot of crazy stuff going on there. You know, the power rankings over there are so crazy. I don't even want to go there. I, I, 
Yeah, this is this fascination with LAFC. You know, I'm an LAFC fan, but I see LAFC at the top of the polls, and I'm like going based on what. So, what can we tell you? I can tell you that Real Salt Lake shocks Sporting Kansas City to remain unbeaten. They are really looking impressive. Got to see the man kick the ball in the stands this time, and now it's an autograph ball. I think it's a cool. They've taken what was a negative and made it into another kind of a pool. Kind of a cool niche thing that they can do after games as a tradition. Like I said, I didn't have that much of a problem with it last week. Just don't kick it in the opposing supporter stands. You know, show a little class there. Um, shorthanded Portland getting blasted in Dallas. They were trying. They were obviously thinking about last night's tie. Should have probably put more into it, considering the result. Look, the quick seventy-four looking really good. I thought LAFC looked very listless in its draw. Of course, Seattle, basically, the Chicharito love fest came to an end. Right, he wasn't going to put up those goals, put up goals at that number. We knew that, and we knew that the Galaxy getting ready for its big matchup, El Tráfico coming up this weekend, had some holes. But Chicharito raining goals down put a lot of cock over. You know, what is a very shaky back line for the Galaxy. Seattle pretty much exposed them and then outclassed them in every way. Score could have been a lot worse. And then you have Crew in Montreal playing to a 0-0 draw. Obviously, the Crew thinking about its SCCL tie last night as well. Not really looking impressive. But now that they have been bounced, they can focus on defending their title. Austin, looking good. A lot of things happening over there. I'll also point out that Miami and Nashville played to a 0-0 draw. God, wasn't that just a snooze fest? I mean, I was looking forward to that matchup, but it was just a really boring game. It was like 10 in the morning or whatnot. Yeah, there were some, there were some uh, stinkers as far as MLS were, was concerned over the weekend. Looking forward to El Trapico this weekend. You know, all the pundits. And of course, you know, people in L.A., don't call it El Trapico. It's just like something the Widows thought of. You know, it's the, 100, the, one, the 110 Derby, the L.A. Derby. Classico Angelino, but don't call it El Trapico. Sorry, people, it's El Trapico, whether you like it or not. going to be fun. We'll be talking about all of that, doing a wrap-up as the leagues get to their conclusion. Big stuff coming on. Okay, we are going to come back with the NFL report and TMA time on the other side. All right, welcome back. Last segment. Season 2, Episode 17, Number 49 overall. Ken Harlan here. Fox trying in a foxhole. Well, well, well. Let's get to the NFL report. The No Fun League. Well, you know, it was draft week. But before we can get to the draft, we have to talk about the saga of A-Raj. Oh, yes, indeed. A-Raj, who kicked... Olivia Bunn to the curb before, and they kicked our girl Danica to the curb, and now it's got Shalane Willie. 
being at the Kentucky Derby. A-Rod this. And leave it to A-Rod to be the narcissist. We know that because he didn't get picked by a major school and had to do some time at Butte Community College before going to Cal, all these people that were drafted ahead of him, he's always has this chip on his shoulder. And he's always like, no, but about me. Yes, I got to be on Jeopardy and be the best Jeopardy host ever. Clearly, and this move last week, of basically saying he wasn't going to return to the Packers before the draft. Literally hours. Basically stealing the thunder from all of these young men who were going to have their moment in the sun as their names were going to be called off. You know, how does this really end? I know there's talk about Denver, and people say, be careful what you wish for, that Denver, even though they've got some good pieces on defense, is not... As good as Green Bay, who obviously was one game away from the Super Bowl and perhaps some questionable play calling. I get, you know, I, I, I feel, I think when you put 10 or 15 years in and you want to experience something else, it's not the whole thing. You know, It's great when you have a Kobe who stays with us or a Tim Duncan who stays with the same team. But I'm not going to crumb on somebody for wanting to be somewhere else. I just feel there's just something weird about this. I know that people feel that he's been disrespected by not getting a lot of help as far as their drafts go. And then obviously drafting another quarterback as his future as opposed to giving him more weapons. I get that. But I also know that, you know, it's, it's Green Bay we're talking about. You know, the small guys. Right. The fact that, that they are legacy, yes, they have a great history, but there's no way in hell a city that size could, could, could be in the modern NFL. And I think some people have to check have to check themselves when they talk about, you know, what Green Bay is able to pull off. They've pulled off some great coups, obviously. I mean, getting Reggie White, you know, that was a, that was a, a turning moment for that franchise. Um... In this particular case, I, I, I'm kind of with the Packers for some reason. You know, I, I kind of feel that, yes, he could have provided them help. But at the same time, you've had your opportunities. You just haven't got it done. And if there has to be a divorce there, great. I don't know. I think Denver could be an interesting situation. They're, they're talking about the Raiders, you know, sending um, Carr and some picks. Yeah, I could see it possibly. My gut feeling right now, and I, you know, I'm really on the fence here. But my gut feeling right now is he will, they will get over themselves, and they, and he will play another season in Green Bay. He won't be happy. It'll be really weird. They, it might be successful. My inclination tells me it probably won't be. But yeah, I don't know. I don't see Denver. Maybe the Raiders, maybe, but then again, you know, I, I, I'm with the Green Bay's GM. He's just like saying, no, we have no intention of getting rid of him. You know, there's still a window for the Packers to win right now. And I think he's going to be in Green Bay come training camp. But it's going to be a lot of drama because this guy is proving to be, oops, we hit the mic, sorry about that. This guy is proving to be a, a prima donna, pay attention to me kind of guy. I always thought he was that way. And now that he's gotten into his mature years, it's really coming through. You know, hate Brady all you want.
But I like how Brady went about it, just you know, taking care of business as opposed to this. And like I said, doing it on draft day. Ugh. What do you think about? Oh yeah, before I get to that point, and I think it's interesting that the Pack are adding extra QBs for OTAs and training camp in the event that he is moved, or he just says, "F it, I'm going to go host Jeopardy and just forget about football." You know, he doesn't really have anything to prove. Okay, what do you? Speaking of somebody who needs to go away. What do you think about Tebow trying to get back in the league as a tight end with Urban Meyer? I mean, another story that dropped on draft day, just like when you guys, can't you wait a day or two? What are you going to upstage these young kids? Um, <coughs> Urban loves him. So if the guy has any you know, football crew left, I suspect Tebow will have a, sp- a spot on this young Jaguars roster as they, you know, year one, despite, I mean, whatever the success may be, it's still going to be a transition year and he might be a good locker room guy. And I'm sure that's what Urban's thinking. So I, I, I have a feeling Tebow will stick with Jacksonville. I think it's also interesting. Alejandro Villamoneva. Villamoneva. Interesting guy. You know, he's been a stalwart for the Steelers. You know, he had the controversy. You know, he's a, he's a veteran. And, you know, I know Skip Bayless and others took him to task for not stand, staying in the locker room with his teammates during the whole flag thing. You know, whatever people do, defended his country, put his life on the line. Unlike you jackasses who sit, you know, behind, you know, uh, your air conditioned studio calling people out who've never actually had to stand tall for anything other than the fact that you could write and somebody said, okay, you know, you're a journalist. I won't be that harsh, but come on. But I think it's interesting that he's leaving the Steel City to join the hated Ravens. Yeah, I know the Steelers, it wasn't in their plans, but I like the fact that he's like, okay, the Ravens are interested. Hell yeah, I want to I crack at those guys. Gotta love that rivalry, and it just got a little bit more spicier with Alejandro joining the Ravens. Cool stuff. Okay, let's get to the draft. You know me in the draft. I went off about, you know, what, what I, you know, it's not a big thing to me. Yes, I was watching, but I was also watching soccer and all kinds of other things at the same time and listening to me, doing couch tour, all that stuff. So I don't get too geeky, but I will talk about the things that caught my eye. Obviously, Lance going to San Francisco as opposed to Jones going there. Jones going to New England and, and hooking up with a hoodie. I think that's cool. I think Lance going to San Francisco. I'm with Mr. Whitlock and others, you know, and asking the question, did teams drop the ball by letting Oregon's Pene Sewell fall number seven to the Lions? You know, they think this guy, as far as linemen are concerned, is a generational talent. I think some teams that could have used some help there should have went for him as opposed to letting him fall to the Lions. And that was interesting seeing the Raiders get skewed by their fans and pundits for their pick. I mean, good grief. I was just like, <laughs> I thought it was also cool, interesting to see, speaking of Urban, to pair Mr. Etienne Jr. with, with T-Law, some familiarity there. thought it was also funny watching the Falcon faithful being unhappy with Kyle Pitts, Pitts pick, which I think most people will be happy with Kyle Pitts. But, you know, they were pissed that they didn't make a, a, a move to get Matty Ice's successor. You know, I'm going to kick a quick digress here. And with it, you know, the, the numbers that bear out, just because you draft somebody that high, yes, 
Eli, Big Ben, and Philip Rivers worked out. But a lot of time, but how many people that were drafted high? I hide Dwayne Haskins, who are either holding a clipboard or Johnny Manziel out of the damn league. So, and I mean, there was value to be found all over the place. There were going to be veterans who are going to be hitting the street. No need for the Falcons. I think getting Kyle Pitt was getting Kyle Pitts was a great pick. I think the Steelers getting Najee Harris, fantastic. As they get try to make one last run under Big Ben. I was talking to this kid at the bar the other night that. Big Ben's lost confidence, and he just feels like he's scared. Then, like, going, what are you talking about? Big Ben's struggles are that they don't have a good running game. That, yeah, people tend to forget the Steelers were 11-0 before not being able to have a bye and COVID weirdness caught up to them. So, yeah, this idea that I think it's a good pick. What about Bama having 11 players drafted in the first round? That's a third, basically, of all the picks. <laughs> That is insane. It's a testament to what Nick Saban has done. It goes back to people trying to make the college football playoff more balanced. But when you see, I mean, right, there were 65 players taken from the SEC as a conference, but 11 Bama players in the first round, a third of all players taken. <coughs> what a program he has there. I know the team I follow, the Washington football team, We've been stockpiling on Bama boys for a while. And league's looking around and teams that have all these Bama guys and just saying, hey, these are quality guys on and off the field. Why? Yeah, I'm rolling. This is the dice I'm rolling. Understand that. Huh. So, you know, back to Mr. Lance going to San Francisco. Thought it was kind of interesting to hear Jimmy J, Jimmy Garoppolo, saying he wants to mentor and help Lance's development. Now, I wonder, is that a kind of a, a parting shot at Tom Brady, who obviously made Mr. Kraft, you got to go. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the hoodie and terrific Tom's relationship finally going sour. I wonder if Jimmy G is saying, hey, I'm not going to be a jerk like Brady. I'm going to, like, reach out. But I've heard that Brady actually is good. And that's what Tyler, Tyler Hineke said when Tyler Hineke, you know, was briefly with the uh, Patriots as far as in, in coming in the film study and sitting down. So I don't know. I, I thought that was really interesting, the Jimmy G coming out quickly. You know, maybe he just wants to say, hey, look, you know what? This kid's not ready to play immediately. Let me, I'm going to have another year. I'm going to try to ball out and get myself another fat contract. We'll see. But, you know, I think it's cool, you know, if that's really true that he wants to help this kid develop and wants to be a team player. No salt on Jimmy G's game for that. Um, what about Captain Kirk? You know, right, because I forgot to mention about, um, yeah, before I get to Captain Kirk, one of the things about that somehow slipped out of my nose. Yeah, what about Mr. Phils, Justin Phils? We've talked about him quite a bit. And this whole thing about people saying that we need to have a protest if he doesn't go in the top 10. He went 11th to Chicago, right? And there's a lot of conversation about, you know, this racism effect going on about these guys going so low. Well, hey, Lance went pretty high. And here's the thing with Phils. I hate to tell you, SJWs, Cardell Jones and Dwayne Haskins and Braxton Miller and on and on, those guys hurt. Justin's drop stock. 
Yeah, Justin may end up rewriting the narrative of Ohio State quarterbacks, but it's on his shoulders because if I was a GM, I would sit there and say, I've got my doubts about anybody coming in that system being effective at this level, right? There's a lot of data to support that. And heck, Dwayne Haskins put up video game numbers. So what, his, what, what Fields did on the field, but I think it's a great pick for the Bears. Uh, they're going to have Andy Dalton there. Hopefully he's a good mentor, which I, I'm pretty sure he will be. Take your time. Of course, there are going to be some people that want to have him on the field sooner than later, and that may be the case. And the Bears may finally draft a worthwhile quarterback, have a franchise quarterback, probably for the first time since Sid Luckman in the 40s. Yeah, I know. Think about that. <laughs> as far as the Bears and quarterbacks go. Now, back to Captain Kirk. Okay, so Chicago swooped in and took Fields at 11. The Vikings were hoping he was going to fall. And so the Vikings didn't make the necessary moves to trade up to make sure they got Fields. Which basically, and they told Kirk Cousins, Captain Kirk, that this may be happening. Now what do you do that you don't get Fields, and now you have to deal with Kirk making all that money? Yeah, I basically say you write it out with him, then part ways. You might be able to, you know, I don't necessarily know if you have to have a young quarterback. I do feel that there are going, there's going to be value at the quarterback position, especially if you have good weapons like the Vikings have around him. I mean, you know, with Kirk, Kirk's not dog poo, but he's not filet mignon either. You know, I mean, as somebody who suffered through him in Washington and still keeps an eye on him, just when you think he's turned the corner, he becomes Kirk and does Kirk kind of things. You like that or you don't like that. <coughs> but too bad for the Vikings. The Bears pulled the, the Bears pulled a fast one on them and swooped in and took their man. And now the NFC North just gets that much more interesting. Woo! Hold on a second here. Okay, technical glitch. Kicked off the, the, the cord to my laptop, but I couldn't read the outline. I was going to have to have lib there. Instead, just hit the pause button and resume. So, anyway, I was talking about Captain Kirk. So, what about the undefeated? You know, that place where all the angry people, they get booted off the air in so they can, you know, go off on their woke and other rants. I think with the underpinning gripe about not enough HBCU players being drafted. And I talked about earlier, you know, the contributions that made back in sports golden age. Problem now is, you know, given the funding disparity, that these programs just are not going to attract the high caliber athletes. And I don't know if a league where 70% of them is African-American you know, we're grasping at straws here. I get the argument, and you would like to see that, but that's the more talented people are at the Alabamas, Clemson's, Notre Dame, Oregon, and it's really hard for those schools to compete. So, I, unless I don't, is it, let's put it this way: if there's there aren't people from these schools being underlooked if they've got game. You know, I mean, you know, if you want to go out and say, well, they need to be drafted because, and the same reason why, 
well, you know, my man down in Dallas, right, talking about, and Steve Kerr coming up and saying, you know, Price shouldn't have been fired because he was aligned with Stacy and her crew. It's like, no, 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 stop it with that nonsense. You know, especially, like I said, we're talking about a league that's 70% African-American. If there's talented people at those schools, just like the Al Davises and Sid Gilman's before, someone will find them, right? It's, you know, I don't think scouts have abandoned looking for talent. There's cats who end up on rosters from all kinds of interesting schools. Call me crazy, but that's just me. Another thing I thought was kind of cool was, uh, you know, hear, hearing Riverboat Ron. As you know, I follow the Washington football team, but I try not to make it a, you know, a, a homework podcast about them. They just happen to be making news. What do you think about him coming out and saying he would rather build his team first than fighting the quarterback of the future? You know, which is kind of interesting, you know, coming from somebody with a name like Riverboat Ron. But I, it's, I think it's very sound. Considering what we saw last year, and we hope that, unlike previous Washington teams, this isn't a fluke and that this is actually the first building block of completely turning the franchise around. And, you know, and just to keep beating the drum that, that I have in this segment about quarterbacks, you don't have to go all in and mortgage your future for these young guns or, you know, pay one of these over you know overrated vets the, the farm. I mean, I think do patience building a team of solid on both sides, having great lines, having group, solid secondary, great specialty players. You know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. I think the quarterback situation will, will would work out quite fine. I mean, given you know, I mean, right, the Rams being able to go to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff should tell you that. And so I do feel that I think Ron is on the right track. I think he was wise. I don't know if you needed to go with this magic. because I, I think having Henneke and Allen that know the system would, would have been sufficient. But it's good to have somebody in there if you feel that, that you, that's confident. And if Fitz is healthy, he can provide that spark. But I do think that Allen and Henneke probably are the better options. Um, okay. What is this fascination with T-Law's locks? I mean, you know, I... Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of bothersome, you know. It's just like, you guys, he's not a girl, and you're, but you're acting like, you know, <laughs> it's Christina Hack or something like that, right? You know, it's like, look at the hair, you know, does he have extensions? It's like, stop with the fascination. Let's just put, let's put it this way. If T-Law is a bust, then we can talk about his locks, his locks all we want and just say, yeah, his hair is more impressive than, than this game on the field. But let's focus on what him and Urban and company are going to do as opposed to just fawning over, oh, that hair is so... And this is coming from, you know, right, alpha male commentaries. This isn't coming from somebody on the, uh, on the E-Network fashion police. All right. We have reached that time. It's TMA time. Good grief, these segments get so long. And we have no shortage of fun for TMA time this week. The Turd McCrory Award, in honor of a special turd in my past life, who I wish nothing but, well, I don't wish anything good for her. And she probably, hit the feeling's probably mutual as far as she's concerned, but she was such a jerk, she has an award named after her. 
All right, this week's Turk McCory time. Let's start out with Jacksonville State defensive back Raquel Benton for that targeting foul that got him ejected in Sunday's FCS playoff game with Delaware State. Yo, bro, this isn't the 1970s. You cannot pull some George Atkinson stuff in this day and age. I mean, if this had been the 70s, we'd be talking about that hit for weeks, but in this day and age, it's just like, wow, man, you just can't rub up like that and, 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 and launch at somebody in front of the referee. What kind of points were you thinking you were going to score? Maybe because it was FCS, someone would be looking. Yeah, I'll give you a complimentary brawl. I'm going to give Braun a big bowl for complaining about the playing tournament because you had ample time to do that. Don't cry now because the Lakers are spinning towards the playing game. I'm going to give Titans pick Rashad Weaver one for getting in trouble for striking a woman. And this day and age, come on, people. I know there's always circumstances, and maybe it comes out, you know. But once again... Avoid these things. You get a complimentary bowl, it could be upgraded to a big one if you're really being an ass. Got a big bowl for Roberto Alomar for fucking being disgraced and disgraced in the Hall of Fame with his sexual misconduct allegations. Really, man? <clears throat> How are you guys, considering the fame that you have and that if you're not a complete imbecile, you know, it's not hard to get women. So why do you have to like take your shenanigans in the workplace and screw up a good thing where you have to resign from the Hall of Fame bowl, Hall of Fame board, excuse me. I'm gonna give a big bowl, couple a big bowl, stainless steel of the Smiley varieties to Eartha Boleyn in the Bundesliga's Jens Lemon for getting fired for the racist WhatsApp message. Once again, people don't hit sin. Think about it. Even if you talk about your buddies, don't say it. It's only going to end in bad consequences, usually firing, shaming, and could hinder your future chances of employment, landing, you know, a good job. Silly. Stop it, people, for getting caught doing stupid racist or sexual misogynist things on social media, homophobic, the whole shopping bag of don'ts. ESPN FC for being turd bags once again. Piling on on PSG after they lost. You know, showing your English bias and sort of, you know, with, right, Juventus hasn't won Jack and you never say crap about them filling out, but the minute PSG, you bleach your report, all you folks, you deserve a big bowl. It's like grow up and have some objectivity. If you hate them because they because they come from the Middle East and have oil money, deal with them. There's big money elsewhere. Pick up the Glazers for that matter. Oh yeah, just really thought it was just. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's sour grapes after I lost, but then if I even if I was impartial, I would still be like, you know, that's just out of line. Not really, not not funny, especially when you make a final and a semifinal in consecutive years. Not an easy thing. You, Juventus ain't there. AC Milan, Barcelona, they're not there. They haven't done that. So, anyways. And then, of course, you have CBS commentator Jim Beglin's Latino temperament comment after Angel Maria's red card on the PSG Man City match. It's like, really? Using the Latino temperament? You shouldn't be able to call any games either for saying something that asinine. 
And then we'll close with Kyrie being Kyrie again. Getting fined 35K for not meeting with the media. I mean, you know, I guess I'd bracket up these fines, whatever. I don't know why you think you are Prince Nambia, but you do. Okay, folks, I've been sitting there chatting way too long, almost to the point of rambling. I don't want to do that and chase you all away. This has been fun. Day late. We promise we'll be back in six days with a lot of stuff. You know, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll have a guest. You can never tell all these weeks go. Be safe. Have fun. Long weekend coming up. See you here on the other side. Peace out.